1: Welcome into the Hazard Ground Podcast. As always, we appreciate you joining us each and every week before we get to this week's guest, a former Navy SEAL who founded an organization that's dedicated to helping veterans in their post-combat lives. Uh, We'll get to him in just a moment, but first a few words to remind you guys to follow us on all the social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hazard Ground, at Hazard Ground Podcast. Uh, Check out all the information we have there, give you the uh, links to this week's guest or next week's guest, whoever it may be, and certainly keep up with everything we have going on on the show. We also take feedback there as well. Don't, Don't be worried about sliding into our DMs, as the kids say. Uh, let us know what you think about the show. Let us know what you love as well. Do the same for Apple Reviews. Wherever you get your podcast, or you go to Apple, uh, get, leave us a five-star review. Tell us why you love the show. We'll try to post them on social as well. We certainly appreciate all the love and support, and it helps grow the podcast uh, through the Apple algorithm and, and all that great stuff. So, again, Apple Reviews, leave us a five-star review. We certainly appreciate it. As well, don't forget about our promotion with Amazon. You go to our website, hazardground.com. As we get closer to the holidays here, are going to do some Amazon shopping. Go to hazardground.com first. Click on the Amazon button at the bottom of the homepage or into the Sponsors tab to redirect you to Amazon. You can do all of your normal Amazon shopping. We'll get a percentage of what you guys spend, and then we'll donate a percentage of that back to some of the charities and organizations you've heard featured here on the show in the past. It's an easy way to help out veterans' charities just by doing your holiday Amazon shopping, but go to hazardground.com dot com first this week's guest joining us is a former navy seal spent seven years in the navy all in the special operations realm did multiple deployments to iraq to both baghdad and ramadi he went on to become an instructor of other navy seals as well and then after getting his college degree uh, went on to found a organization called guardian grange in october of 2020 and he wanted to do a regenerative kneeling network to help veterans by protecting natural resources and strengthening communities. And it is certainly an, an incredible organization uh, that I've found and read a lot about. Excited to hear about it. He is Matzel <laughs> I'm getting his last name first. Mark Matzel-Dellaflor joining us here on the Hazard Ground. I was so focused on getting his last name right. Mark has the same first name as me. Matzel-Dellaflor, welcome and thanks for being here, man.
0: Yeah, thanks, Mark. No, it's no worries. Everyone uh, trips up on that last name. Most yeah. people stop at Nats because yeah, uh, well. the rest of it just – does that <laughs> I was
1: much closer in our pre-show discussion than we actually when we started recording nothing like stumbling out of the gate so uh you know hey uh that's hey, that's a we're all right?
0: human <laughs> yeah that's that's uh yeah you killed it on the on the pre-show it doesn't right. bother me so no worries man
1: all right um 7 years in the seals um and I think we were in Iraq at the same time um depending on the timeline here of when we were there I was in special ops with uh with with the green berets in Baghdad, no five and oh six. So we might've crossed paths. It's weird. I just keep running into more and more people who I was in that same area at the same time. I mean, you know how big and small the military can be all at the same time, but, um, tell me how it started for you. Uh, why and when the seals?
0: Yeah. So, um, it really started, you know, just growing up through high school and everyone's like, well, what are you going to do kid? Are you going to go to college are You gonna What are you kind of job are you going to do? So going through the motions and selecting like what I was going to do in society, uh, or what I wanted to do, I really wasn't super stoked on continuing uh, school because it wasn't that exciting to me, and I loved being outside running around. So I had an uncle who was a marine, and I, you know, wasn't super familiar with the military beyond like the the, the branches that existed. And then I met, uh, uh, saw a presentation from like an army ranger. I think I, I went up to um, Norwich Academy one time and saw like the 10th Mountain uh... Division too. And so I started getting an idea of like, Oh, there's these different like places that you can go in the military. Um, and by the time I met this army ranger cat, then I learned about special operations and green berets and all the different categories that existed. So I really did a study, you know, with all the information that was available and just kind of surgically decided to go into the SEAL teams because it's from what I had understood, it was like small units, difficult with especially the cold training so it was like the challenge of getting through it and it just felt like that's the crew that i belonged to or wanted to push through so i, I chose to do that went to the recruiter and said like hey man i want to do the seal challenge thing they tried to of course like divert me into whatever was best for them <laughs> and yeah. i'm like no no thanks guys i'm gonna do this or nothing so um, that's how it started
1: now you did that right at a high school so nine eleven happened when you were in high school right
0: Yeah, 9-11 happened. I graduated in 2002. So uh, I had already decided before 9-11 to uh, go in the military and go after the SEAL program. Um,
1: Did anybody in your family try to talk you out of it after 9-11 going, hey, maybe we should go a different, because, you know, 2002, we're already engaged in one war heading towards a second.
0: Yeah, not not necessarily because of nine eleven, 11 but the, along the way, they're like, oh, are you really sure you want to go in the military? You know, you're trying to you got a lot of potential, kid, you know, that kind of thing, which is some of the bullshit that um, people tend to think of like military guys. Like we're somehow throwing our lives away by doing what we do, <laughs> which is just like, OK, whatever. And as a kid, you're like, they're like, man, you really don't even know what it's going to be like. You know, everyone's trying to talk you out of it. Mm-hmm. based on their own fears and desires and wants so i just kind of dealt with it along the way and of course then there's the other <laughs> side of it when you're like oh i'm gonna go and try out to be a seal and they're like you're never gonna make it no one makes it you know that whole thing so um i was just i grew up as a loner anyway so i was used to people just like not being on the same frequency mm-hmm. um so it really didn't phase me that much yeah
1: you know go to war go to jail kind of deal um and I tell yeah. the story often on this show you know when I was doing my uh when I was in ROTC and I was going through you know the job fairs were coming on senior year and I you know was going to commission and I remember people asking me if I was going to the job fairs and I'm like no and they're like why and I'm like because I have to go in the army after college and they go why don't you get a real job you know like that was the general sentiment of people joining the military in the pre-9-11 world. You know, I, mean, I know my audience is tired of hearing me tell that story, but, you know, for each guest, they understand that it was just the, the perception then was different. It just was not something that held this sort of esteem and stature that obviously it holds now. And, uh, you know, I guess sacrifice uh, becomes a little bit more real for everybody uh, after what we've been through for the last 20-plus years. All right, so you're heading into – uh, the Navy with a Buds contract, so for you, it was get right through basic and go directly to Buds. Is that how simple it was?
0: Um I had one step in between, which is the A school because okay. at that time they didn't have the special operator um, rate yeah,
1: so you know in some ways, people say a school you know it similar to to buds in retrospect, did you find anything similar about it?
0: Uh, I didn't find anything similar in the Navy at large to anything in the seal community okay. uh beyond like the administrative bullshit right. <laughs> but um <laughs> uh like the schooling the mentality like there was a stark contrast like just um even in 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 boot camp a school being around like team guys, you know, and the the humor, the way they carry themselves was completely completely different Corporate so I, I did enjoy different. a school because i learned about uh i did gunner's mate learned about pneumatics and like weapon systems on like ships so it was it was interesting but it was also like um taking the time like waiting to get to buds where you're ultimately trying to go same as boot camp was that way it was like the longest period of my life eight weeks of or whatever it was.
1: were you a strong swimmer
0: no i wasn't <laughs> a very strong i mean well it well it depends on how you put that i wasn't a very efficient or fast swimmer i was very comfortable in the water and i thought i was strong because i'm like man i can just keep going but i never had like really uh tested myself for like efficiency so i had to overcome um i had to learn to become efficient in the water uh because it was yeah i was like a just a truck just dragging through water and we had like some (laughs) olympic quality swimmers who were just fucking gliding you know (laughs) so
1: Um, so what did, how much, I know you said you'd read up on the special operations community. Did you know anything about buds prior to getting there?
0: Uh, I knew as much as I, as I could have learned, like they had some documentary, I forget back in the day, Mm. the one that like lively was in and stuff, I think it was on discovery channel. So I had like watched that. Um, and then anything else is just from like the, the internet or the website or books, you know, like the internet was still, you know, there wasn't as much as fairly there is young now. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but there was, there was enough to uh, go through like military sites and different things. I even found, um, well, I forget when I found this, but I, I might've been that when I was already in the teams, there was like an old like cyber seals forum of like these old team guys that would just like shoot this shit together. And I, this, the timeline's going to be messed up for me, but I believe I found that before I even went in the military yeah. Was
1: was there anything that you read up upon that made you go, "Whoa, uh, this might not be a good idea," or at least kind of freak, unnerve you or freak you out a little bit?
0: No, because that's how society was. That's how the normal like world is to me. I'm like, man, this shit is weird. I want to get out of here. So that's why I went to the military. One of the one of the many reasons, because um, that felt more. Um, Felt more natural to me. You know, I didn't uh, sitting in a cubicle and doing a nine to five or, you know, it didn't, didn't really sit right. well with me.
1: I'm always curious when I talk to, to seals and former seals, um, about the experience, because some guys have told me the mental part of buds for them was a lot tougher and they could last in the physical. And other guys told them the physical part was tough, but the mental part for them was a little bit easier. Which one was it for you?
0: I would say it's all mental at the end of the day because the physical just breaks down of aspect of your 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 mental capacity, right? If you're like, oh man, I can't do this exercise any longer, or if it's it's too cold, like the physical stimulus is is really getting to your mind, and then they they tack obviously things on in their um, some pretty fun and expertly crafted ways when they're psychologically like adding to the pressure, you know. Mm-hmm. So make maybe you're maybe you're you're doing something like maybe you're freezing and without the added pressure of someone like yo man like it must suck to be down there you want some hot chocolate you want to get a warm shower you know and, and the, at the same time like bad cops come in and just hammering you like people break under that pressure a lot quicker than they would have otherwise and like an example of that is we had some physical studs like get into hell week right so you went through like the the indoctrination phase yep. the first phase and then like a couple weeks in now you're day one moment one of hell week and they just wake everyone up start spraying with the hose start doing push-ups and guys are just dropping like flies within this like half day period and some of those guys were physical studs so it wasn't the physical part that really got them it was the mental just stuff
1: i'm always curious and i ask this question a lot too um, was there a moment there where, one, you ever thought about ringing the bell and dropping, or two, that you saw somebody do that and you were completely floored, like, whoa, that dude tapped out? And, like, what that yeah, does that, to your mind?
0: Yeah, there was definitely many moments like that. Again, because there was people who were way more physically, uh, like, you know, solid than I than I would have been as far as they could have outperformed, you know, at, in various things. And then to see them just, like come up in like day three or whatever and, and come up to a group and be like, Hey guys, I got to quit, you know, and walk away so defeated. And you're just like sitting there just going through it still. Um It's interesting. It's an interesting shift because um, there was, there was definitely some like cocky attitudes that that would happen to you too. And, you know, it was just like, interesting. It was an interesting process in itself, just witnessing that and being a part of that, you know, to have engaged with those people prior to, and then to see them in their moment of defeat when they're basically defeated themselves, you know, Mm -hmm.
1: was there a moment where you knew you were going to make it, or you didn't really know. And like, you didn't really feel that sense, like, okay, I'm going to get through this. You know, when you're finally in the last couple of days realizing, Oh my God, it's over. We were, I see the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yeah, um, that would have been like way after third phase because it was always a grind. Like I always felt like I was going to make it, but it was definitely a grind for me moving through uh, various phases. Um, But, you know, once you're in, once we got the third phase, which was the land warfare, really like the most fun shit, I would say, because you're working with explosives and guns and all that stuff. Um, At that phase, past the the longest swim, the, uh, the, seven mile basically the five nautical mile swim like once you pass that last like major um check in the box thing you're pretty much done so then there was like a handful of weeks left over and and uh that's when i really um there was the weight was kind of lifted off like you still had to you know check some boxes a little bit but most of the big ones were all checked
1: one more on buds um the day that you graduate um best of your life or no big deal as you kind of view it
0: yeah no big deal man it was like (laughs) you going into it like as you're uh, before you would think like how great it would be but it's just another evolution another step in the process because after that moment is so much more yeah
1: what's the the old navy seal adage only easy day yesterday yeah yeah so All right. So after you graduate BUDS, um, you go on right to teams and, and this is like what year time frame when you graduate and you get right to to, to your team?
0: Two thousand well, two thousand three-ish was uh when I went to BUDS, so two thousand and four. I'm not the greatest with time unless I'm looking at like certificates and stuff. <laughs> but we went to uh SQT SEAL qualification right. class. So actually after BUDS, then we went to uh jump the Army jump school and then we went to SEAL qual training, which Honestly, I I want to say it was like three months, but I even forget how long that was at this point. I feel like it was three months, and then we went to the team. Um, Yeah.
1: By the way, was Army Jump School like a joke to you? Was it like after everything you just went through at Bud's, you're like, this is easy?
0: (laughs) But it was was fun, too, because it was like they sent our whole Bud's class there, which is only like 30-something people, um, you know, and the Jump School was hundreds of people there. Yeah. Um, So we were – little uh shitheads, you know going through because we're getting learning these army kind of basically boot camp style protocols and we're just like dude what is this um so and we also had the hanging carrot of like we were supposed to be one of the last classes to go there instead of going to the five day jump school back in san diego so we our give a fuck meter was like not there at all <laughs> so we had a lot of fun just playing with the instructors during like pts and all that stuff were any of you
1: guys like were any of your guys like deathly afraid of heights and jumping out of planes or anything or for as good Um, as some people are in the water they're like afraid of heights and vice versa right
0: yeah i mean i don't i don't remember specifically i'm sure there was a few and i remember like the first time i stepped to go i'm like damn woo, this fucking (laughs) you know i had never done it before um but you just it's like anything you just take the step. Yeah. Don't, um, don't look, yeah. So go. no one, no one was like, no one was, uh, it didn't prevent anyone from doing anything. Let's put it that way.
1: So when you get to your team, um, what's, is there a feeling of like, okay, I made it or, you know, obviously there's more to do, but, and there's a whole nother sort of prove yourself process once you actually get to the team. It's not like, Hey, come on in, Mark. We love you. You're one of us now. No, you kind of got to get hazed a little bit and brought along, um, because team life is different than the training life, just like anything else. The actual gap between training and reality exists and, and you need that from people who've already been on ground.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's totally, it's the, now you're getting basically brought into the culture or filtered through the culture because there's still a filtration process. You know, it's more rare, but if people don't jive or gel, uh, or even in pl- platoons, they'll like shift people around and stuff. Um, and when the guys from our class who went to team five, which is where I went when we got there, there was like only a a couple months ready before deployment. So we were jumping in on the the tail end of a, of a workup, which was interesting because we didn't get put into platoons. We got put into a special activities cell um, for starters, which would have been pretty fun, probably going overseas in that capacity. So we got to, piggyback on a couple, uh, combat skills deployments, which was all the, basically the funnest part of your workup. Um, so I got to do two of those, um, workups and, uh, uh, and then one of the platoons, <laughs> the notorious, uh, break glass in case of war pipe hitter platoons got disbanded, you know, so then they shifted all the personnel and then all those us new guys got sprinkled throughout platoons. And so I really jumped into like the first platoon, Like, we're like, yo, welcome, like, basically going to war in like two months or a month or so. So it was interesting because I didn't have a full workup with the guys that I went overseas with.
1: You know, the mentality of of finding out that you're going to combat so quickly, I think, is is different for everybody. Uh, Were you one of the the folks who looked at it and went, you know, this is just another chance to prove it? You know, this is what I signed up for to go in there and, and, you know, test my own metal, Or was it one of those things where... Um, you were just sort of taking it a step at a time and, and whatever was next and, you know, um, staying a little bit more in the present focused.
0: Yeah, definitely present focused, one step at a time, but it was also feeling like, I guess the best analogy that probably people who haven't even been in the service could resonate with is like, um. The World War Two coming back, coming in on those crafts and before the gates just drop down, everyone's just sitting there staring at a wall and you don't really know what's on the other side, but yeah. you know, you're going into some shit. And then it's like, poof. so it was kind of that feeling, you know, of like, hey, just one step at a time, one moment, you don't know what's going to happen next.
1: I mean, is, is fear a fair word? I mean, would you describe yourself of, if using that emotion, that experience was it a motivator for you? Even, not so much fear of failure per se, but just general fear of, of anything that, you know, sometimes motivates people to push even harder.
0: There's, it's, there's definitely an, a feeling that could come up sometimes, uh, throughout that process that was, um, Close to fear sometimes, but it was almost like, like a stage fright. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you're about to go into, in that, in this case, it wasn't like a big audience, which a lot of people would can feel that stage fright. But it's like you're going into a new type of theater that you have no experience within. Even though you've trained and practiced and you've prepared yourself, you still don't know until you know.
1: All right. So you're heading to downrange uh, to Iraq. Do you know where you're going and what your mission, your guys' mission is?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the first time we went to Baghdad, and we were not super pumped because we had the PSD mission. Um, yeah, so a lot of like we we made a the the damn that guys made a name for ourselves in PSD, and then they just were like, oh, why don't you guys take on this mission set? And you know, we had just done like we did a block of PSD, you know, which is there's some aspects of it too which are interesting, but you know, protecting a foreign asset is not exactly. Like what the fuck we <laughs> jumped in to do. Right, right.
1: Yeah. Um when did you get there?
0: Uh got in there two thousand four. Two thousand four time time frame to Baghdad. Okay. First time or sorry, sorry, sorry. Two thousand uh yeah, two thousand four ish, yep.
1: Okay. And and you did did that for the whole what, six, seven months you were there?
0: yeah well no so we i i did a rip our guys did a rip deployment so we okay. did three months there and three months in the pac, uh, pacific so gotcha. we, i could have stayed there longer but the you know there was a dangling carrot of like yo you might be able to go run and do da's but you also just might sit here and do psd mm-hmm. and at that moment i'm like I don't want to flip that coin. So some the guys who did stay back did get to do DAs, which was pretty, pretty awesome. But um, yeah, I was pretty much over the um, PSD stuff. Cause it's right. also way more administrative, you know, as far as like, there's way more people looking down your neck. And again, you're just like waiting for something to happen, but it's not an aggressive uh, mission set.
1: Right. And for the civilians, listen, DA direct action, just meaning you can actually go, uh, stand toe to toe with the enemy so to speak make just as a sort of very plain explanation of it um so after that deployment when you get back i mean are you sort of unfulfilled at this point in time do you feel like what did i really go through all this crap for to, to go sit there and guard some guy in a bulletproof vehicle
0: yeah i was def i was definitely uh you know um wondering what the fuck why <laughs> things were the way they are and i could there's a there's a there's a clear line of like operators and administrators you know even guys who wear tridents and stuff and like there's a there's a shift that often happens not always but for the most part it definitely happens when uh, people start taking a more administrative role and they stop being about the uh, that tribal nature right the it kind of goes away and they get more political um, so I was seeing I was seeing that stuff and I was being disheartened by it. But also at the same time, there's like all the super solid bros that you're working with that you're not going to work with anywhere outside of like special operations for sure. You know,
1: it's interesting because, um, you know, a lot of guys resist that. And as you go up in rank, obviously, you get more administrative roles. Right. Like, And, and you know, again, for more of the civilians listening, because the military folks know this, you can't take non special ops guys and put them in a special ops community and ask them to do the admin roles and make those admin decisions because they don't have a full grasp of what the true combat power is or the true nature of the individuals who are there. And that's that's the bigger gap, right? Um, there are certain people who can get that switch to flip on and certain people who can't. And there's a reason why a lot of administrative folks in the military are administrative because they don't have that switch that flips. Um, and, and to mesh those two worlds together could cause a lot of consternation and conflict, but, you know, um, as guys go up I mean – Were there guys that you considered mentors that ended up taking on those administrative roles and you kind of had conversations with them, looked at them, said, why? And, you know, don't you want to be down here with us kicking down doors and doing all the other all the other fun stuff?
0: Yeah, I was I've been I mean, I was party to many of those like uh, some of those conversations, like some of the guys who I didn't have super, um, you know, like close relationships with their older guys, like coming in and they're walking out the door and you see like that energy being discussed, like, yo man, that guy really kind of changed or, you know, type of those types of things. And then for sure, like, as I've now been out and a lot of those guys have come up, I've definitely seen, uh, some things that are, uh, again, just disappointing, disheartening to see like guys that you used to know. And, um, again, it's not many, but it's definitely a few that, uh, that just fully took on that role and to a degree turned their back on the guys on the on the operational capacity. that's
1: an interesting phrase you use turn their back um in yeah. in what way can you elaborate
0: yeah, many ways um uh, so let's say. Um, someone gets in trouble, right? A Di- uh, disciplinary action. It could be on deployment, off deployment, right. whatever. Like I'll give you a scenario. There was a uh, when we're pack- loading up our pallets, right, to go into Ramadi for a second, my second deployment. Um, some of the guys, like we took a pool table and a TV, right, that were just kind of sitting there, and I wasn't. I just know like the aftermath. Um, So when we got into country. Um, that apparently became an issue because the TV supposedly was stolen, they said, or, or to, to, to that degree, like it was not supposed to go with us. And so the guy who was responsible for loading the pallet got benched in combat <laughs> in deployment. And it's like, yo, we're in fucking combat. Like, th- like why? And this guy's a solid operator went on to go to damn neck and all this um and and just seeing that happen i'm like okay well that is just administrative stabbing in the back as opposed to being like yo what happened even if let's say let's say that let's say there was a malicious intent and the tv was taken and whatever we took it and threw it in our fucking space in uh in in the area let's say that was malicious and that was intentionally done wrong it should have gotten handled in a different way. You know what I mean? We have other ways of handling stuff and to bring it up to this administrative and like ding the guy, you know, administratively to try to potentially fuck over his career. Like that type of stuff, uh, also happened like in something as simple as like a bar fight, you know, not saying that we should be out there getting into bar fights. However, (laughs) shit happens. And like, then let's say nothing. Wait a minute. Bar fights are not in
1: your job description.
0: Yeah. I mean, not officially, but (laughs) not officially. So it, so it happens. Yeah. And then like, let's say no big deal. Everything's handled on the civilian side. And then like some administrators come down and like, oh, we're going to fuck this guy over to make an example of him. And right then it's just like, all right, now, not only you turn your back on you're driving a knife in the back and we're supposed to be going to fucking war together, right. or at least have understand that the people up the chain have our back. And so when I started seeing that, cause it never happened to me directly, but I saw it happen to enough guys who were solid. And I'm like, man, this is, is not this is not cool you know this is not good this is uh, you you stand by your fucking friends you stand by your team regardless and if there is some shit that needs to be handled then you handle it at the platoon level right should be
1: should be uh, lowest level always um yeah and again not that I, you know i mean personally I, I again i don't have all the details and everything else so i'm not going to sit here in judgment of it um i would say that there is an argument you know On both sides. One, people need to be held accountable. But on the other side, too, it's like, you know, when it comes to combat power, you don't do anything to sacrifice that. Um, You put your best people in the best positions for mission success always. Uh, And and if there's a punishment to be levied, then pulling somebody out of their position as an operator, that makes you less combat effective. You know, maybe in this year, they they, do you feel like all the parts are interchangeable? But I think the guys on the ground know that there are certain guys who are better at certain things than others uh, when it comes to. Operational combat power and effectiveness, and so I I believe there would be an argument to say, "Well, we'll handle this after the deployment's over," you know, or yeah, we'll we'll, we'll figure out and
0: and like especially like every team had their own kind of culture, personality, you know, and Team Five was always known as like more renegade cowboy, like you know, closer to the the criminally minded (laughs) like style, (laughs) which is what made us like how we are, and so to see again like the platoon that got disbanded was like they were all solid break glass in case of war people and the reason it got disbanded was a a similar thing like just too many um off the field incidents. too many yeah too many incidences that made its way that were like an administrative kind of black eye you know and people didn't want to keep tangling so they're just like hey we're gonna all you senior guys we're gonna basically move you around um so yeah that was and, and you know i get it i get like there is um there is the the image side of things but at the same time in war it's like your meat eaters are your fucking meat eaters right and like that's it like if you don't have them you don't have anything at all um and i i think that's a larger i just saw a lot of the shit coming that people are seeing you know now and along the way um with the basically administrators running the show or your support hijacking um the priority list where it's like Yo, your your, administrative and support structure exists like not prima donna shit, but exists to have like the theater of war happening and running efficiently. Right. Everything else is bullshit. Like the military is not an administrative tool. It's a corporation. Yeah. yeah. Or it shouldn't shouldn't be. It's
1: supposed to be a physical extension of politics. That's what what it is there for. So or diplomacy for that matter. Uh, You're heading to your second deployment now heading to Ramadi. What. Time frame is this.
0: That was two thousand six. So after like the Team Three, the Jocko crew and all that, which people are mostly probably familiar with, mm-hmm. that's where we relieved. So we trade we swapped out with them. No, you get in. to
1: you get to Ramadi in 06. Um Dangerous is all hell place at that point in time. You had the Marines, was that in early 06 or was that in late 05? Uh were hung off the bridge. Uh the the contractors and everything else. I mean, you're you're in a bad spot right now for Ramadi area.
0: Yeah, to on on one side of the coin, yeah, it's definitely bad and dangerous, but as far as from uh my perspective and the team guy perspective who was, you know, wanting to get after it, uh it was the place to be, you know, it was the where everything was going on. So that was when I really that was like the first time uh when I'm like, all right, this is this is this is this is what I came here for. You know what I mean? This is I'm here to do the shit that we're about to do. So I felt I felt good about that deployment really good
1: when uh when you get there i mean do do you understand what's your specific mission obviously it's not psd so it's more of the direct direct action you were looking for
0: yeah and and so there was uh it wasn't perfect as far as from the administrative side because we'd play these word games right like instead of sniper overwatch or instead of like whatever sniper mission they'd call it overwatch and I, i started just seeing like the word games being played so we did Overwatches, direct actions was pretty much it and the the routes were so hot with IEDs that we'd always like wait for the routes to be cleared then we'd cruise to another OP and we'd patrol out from there so we got a lot of time just patrolling and we were just going back to back to back like heavy op tempo which was was awesome yeah
1: now I assume in your first deployment you had no actual combat experience other than maybe pop shots being fired at whoever was there
0: yeah, I had some rockets shot at us. Right. Cause we were just like shitting and getting, you know, moving the moving the principal around. There was one. I was the only person who had an opportunity to pull the trigger i was a man in a 50 cal turret gun behind like our on, on the tail like to chase mm-hmm. Um and there was a point in time we were cruising along this river and this random car on the other side just started going in reverse which seemed like the same speed as us like you know tracking with us so i trained pull the pull the uh casing out of the butterfly trigger and like was ready to go because some guys in my vehicle were like just light them up light them up and i didn't see anything to like justify it and then right. over comms are like wait 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 so it all like handled itself where the guy just stopped and i don't know what the fuck he was doing just some random shit pulled out of his ass and just stopped his car and got out and started fucking with his car um but uh yeah that was like the beyond like pop shots and rpgs that flew over our spot but nothing really crazy
1: well i, I asked that just to bring it back to the second deployment you get your first combat experience obviously um the, was it all you thought it'd be and more
0: um you know i i uh i didn't go in with a lot of expectations it's more of like the one moment at a time thing and i would say it was cuz it's a test like you're you're testing yourself at that point you're you're right. you're meeting yourself in a different capacity and so i found it very um this is probably ironic for a lot of people but very peaceful very free because there is no like you're just every day, every moment is life and death. And you're just you're a hundred percent required to show up and be present in reality, minus any kind of bullshit that's going, you know, the same whatever was going on in the world, politics, entertainment, all these things, and you're just in life and death scenario responsible for keeping your homies safe, you know, and and getting getting work done and, 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 handling things. So it was, um, I, 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 totally, I, I enjoyed I, it. Yeah. I,
1: I totally get it. And I, I, I've told this to people repeatedly, you know, especially now when we talk about mental health and PTSD and everything else, you know, you feel a lot more struggle, uh, every day going through life you talk about the distractions and everything going around you. And in a weird way, I've always said this, the easiest time I've ever had in my life was in combat. Because all I had to do was keep myself alive, and I had a certain measure of control over that, like I don't have control over anything else in my life. I don't have control whether my kids get sick, I don't have control whether I get into a car accident, I don't have control, you know, if, if the plumbing in the house breaks, I don't have control whether I get fired or whatever, well, maybe you do, but you know, you get the point. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that are, at, in combat you feel like mm-hmm. you're as in, as in control of your life as you can be. And maybe we're delusional that we have this decided advantage over the enemy in certain aspects, but... There is a certain peace in knowing that there's only one job. It's like, you're, it's like you're a freaking NFL kicker, right? You only have one freaking job to do. Just put the ball through the uprights. That's it. You only have one job to do on deployment. Keep yourself and your men alive. It's really, really simple. Uh, and and there is this, there's such a simplicity to it for how difficult it actually is that there's, there's peace in, inside of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think definitely the more like um, the more of a warrior, you warrior, you are like in your heart and your soul, not like these. why the, so I delineate between like soldiers and warriors, you know, like the more of a warrior you are, the more peace you will find in that storm, because that's like home. You know, that's it's it's what you are built for. It's what your your constitution has come to terms with. And death is you know, at least from my perspective, death was, it was never, um, in, a, a point of fear. It's like, when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And until that moment, yep. like I'm here and this is what I'm here to do. When God wants to take me out. That's when it's going to happen. Other than that, I'm fucking and, and driving it's,
1: on. It's crazy because we would never have that sort of looseness about our mortality in regular civilian life and everything else. We'd never just chalk it up to, well, you know, I'm driving down the road at 97 miles an hour. Just uh, it's my time to go. <laughs> yeah. It's my time to go. Like you don't, you don't ever appro- appreciate. Uh, you don't ever approach it that level of capriciousness. You know we're always kind of guarded and protected because we, we are aware of so many pitfalls. Well, the randomness of combat eliminates knowing what pitfalls next. Like you're gonna, well, he's gonna shoot at me from there, and then he's gonna move there, and then you know the next thing you know a, a mortar's gonna come in. Like we don't have that. So we, you talk about being present. And in that moment, all you can do is react to what is in front of you, and there isn't any worry about the outcome. There's only worry about what the reaction is going to be. Like, the final result will be the final result. And I've always believed, and I've always said this, that, look, if I, if I do the training and I stick to the training the way I know it's supposed to be done, I have to trust and rely on the fact that that's supposed to keep me and my, my soldiers alive, right? Like, if we, if we basically follow the rules as best we can, in theory – It's supposed to keep us alive. Now, again, back to the randomness of combat, you could do everything right and people could still get killed. You could do 100 things wrong and everybody can get out of there safely. There is no accounting for that. But, again, it just goes back to that ability to let go in combat that I don't think we do in everyday life.
0: For sure. And there was also, like, a, a gratitude you know, for every moment you're alive because death is like right there. You can't forget about like every, everyone dies spe- one day. Speaking and think, my language, man. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a lot of people f- forget that in society when it's like it's not of mind. And they're like, oh, we're just going to keep on living forever. And that's where, you, that's, in my opinion, that's where you get people pulling shady shit, fucking other people over, you know, b- being um just not good brothers, sons husbands, whatever, whatever the case may be as talking from a male perspective, obviously. um, I think that's, that's that lack of conscious awareness that you will fucking die one day. And, and that's some, that's some real shit when that happens. Um, So live your life in each moment, like the best that you can, like show up with the best intention you can and have fucking gratitude for every speck of dirt, every piece of like air that oxygen that goes through your lungs like that type of stuff i felt uh, very similar to like climbing a fucking badass mountain and having a sick view of like the the world you know there was it was another like elevated perspective when you get shoved down into combat or something like that if you have the mentality to have that perspective which i think a lot of us do who kind of went there
1: yeah you know again it's uh and one more here and I, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about the actual experience of combat with you but you know I, I can recall and I've, I've shared this before that you know I was fortunate or unfortunate depending on which way you look at it you know I was outside the wire four or five days a week you know running convoys and everything else I just it was the nature of the mission in the special ops community they needed logistics and supplies moving for the Iraqi and the in the ISOF brigade um and so you know, I can remember just, I, I kept thinking just as somebody who's like an avid gamble, like I'm throwing the dice and I keep going outside the wire. Eventually something's got to go wrong. Eventually the odds are not going to be in my favor and I'm going to crap out. And I would get overwhelmed with fear about my mortality. Like today's going to be the day. Like I, I, I might not come home today. And all I could ever do is just without, you know, letting my, my troops see me, just I'd walk around the corner and stand behind a building and just say a silent little prayer to myself and just be able to focus for a moment and be grateful for everything that I've had and said, God, if today is the day, thank you for everything you've given me. Just take care of my family and uh, make sure that I do it right today. Just give me the strength to do what I trained was trained to do and to take care of my, my, my people first. And, and let out a deep breath and then forgot about it and walked away and was was totally content with whatever was going to happen. And it's so funny because I can't do that in everyday life. It takes me so yeah. hard mentally to clear that hurdle, to sit there and stop for a second, take a damn breath and and – be thankful and grateful for everything that is because i'm so you know i I get so caught up in what is supposed to be down the road that it's like one of those things where i have i need that constant reminder because nothing is life and death and we get wrapped around the axle about things that aren't when in reality in combat it's the exact opposite
0: yeah the little the littlest obstacles become your new baseline for like the most the worst shit ever you know and that's why you know our um our frequency of like what the shit that we're able to deal with as combat veterans for sure is way, the bar is like so high where we seem like, uh, strange to people, you know, when we're, when we're, for instance, like not, so concerned with 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 something that someone is like man this is like the biggest fucking deal in my life or i remember like going through college like after the military and people were like stressing about shit and i'm just like dude this is fucking like this is awesome i mean as far as like the 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 stress level like the stress level is like this basically vacation you know where i went and did a, a a normal job afterwards and it's like it wasn't fun it wasn't enjoyable but the stress level was way fucking like too low actually it was like man this is not enough for me so yeah and it's interesting you said on like going out the gate every time I always yeah said my said my prayers, been like yo if it's you know if it's my time to go it's my time to go keep these keep us all safe and I'd always had yeah, these Otis Spunkmeyer muffins I, that was my ritual oh, yeah. I'd like do my <laughs> prayer and just fucking down a muffin.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, those things were good. If you were going out, you were going out happy. That's that's for darn sure. Um, yeah. So was the, was the I, I guess what you guys were doing and the direct action that you guys were doing were did you have any expectation of the the sort of um you know level of the the enemy like were 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 they tougher than you thought were they more um prepared than you thought i mean obviously you had to feel you guys are the best of the best so the, you know there's always that that mental advantage you feel like you have over anybody who steps out on the battlefield but all that said was there any expectations you had about actual combat and what the enemy could bring to the fight
0: um i mean i never underestimate anyone However, yeah, we did always. And because of that, we came with that advantage of like retraining the hardest we can. We're strategizing everything. We're taking every advantage we can. And in the instance of like a direct action, like that's we're the ones who initiate. So we're the ones who start the thing. So we have that first movers advantage. So typically, like we didn't run into like uh, as they started you know, advancing like barricades, false walls, like we, a little bit of that stuff, but we never, never too much. So we always pretty much ran the, the DA, you had contacts on target, off target. Most of our stuff was off target, people moving in the streets. And then from that perspective, um, you know, war is war, but also there's shit that you don't do as just a, uh, again, as like a, a, a righteous warrior or whatever you want to call it. Um, and one of those things is like carrying a child over your head to, to prevent your, you know, your bean from getting popped when you're moving like munitions or weapons or something like seeing that type of stuff. It's just like uh, there's a level of respect that goes down because like to, from the survival mindset, it's like they're just they're trying to like not get killed. But you're also sacrificing the most sacred being that you have in your midst as right. a child, which is like if, if you're willing to do that, what the fuck's the point of even fighting for anything? You know, so when I saw things like that, there was definitely a level of respect that went fucking way down, whereas if I was fighting um an enemy that wouldn't engage in those types of things, I would still hold more respect for them, if that makes sense, even though they're my enemy. Like I still have res and I still did have respect for the fact of like this is a life and death dance. And regardless of who the enemy is, like that that reality is there. They can they can, you know, send you out of reality the same way you can send them. And so um yeah, it was it was interesting just encountering the cultural differences and the the way that people carry themselves in that capacity. So yeah, that was very interesting.
1: Uh, what was the operational tempo like as far as the amount of direct action you were doing, or at least you know, fighting you had to be doing?
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty constant. It was uh like we had very few days of downtime. Like we do multi day ops. You know, we do. Uh, we'd have like maybe a day off here and there. We had a blue and gold crew, but a lot of times we were out together, you know? So we, I would say as far as I was concerned, it was a, it was the, a perfect, um, perfect tempo for the time that we were there. If it would have kept going on, if we had like a longer deployment, it probably would have started getting old, but because we're also doing like the DAs and overwatches and stuff, like it was i mean shit we'd rather be out than like sitting back at a base you know especially when when shit gunshots are going off explosions are going off like you want to be there because that's potentially your homies your countrymen your you know it doesn't matter if it's marines army whatever that's all our that's all our homies and if shit's going down we want to be there supporting each other
1: did you guys sustain any casualties
0: um, yeah, so we had, a. uh, uh and this was when all our whole, um, our whole, uh, all of our platoons were out, the, the platoons that were there. So we had three positions doing overwatch mission and, uh, we took, started, there was contacts going on all over. So we were covering for, uh, army movement and stuff as they were doing construction and doing some stuff with an OP. And, uh, we had, a. uh. uh a rooftop position our, our 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 uh myself and the shooting buddies that were there and um there was a grenade that got thrown on one of our other positions and so they just took like a little one guy got his wrist fucked up a little bit nothing too bad but they were like x filling off the target and um as they were get- sending out the gate they sent uh we had some uh iraqi forces you know with us in, in each because we're supposed to be turning over and all that right. um so the the platoon leader and that element decided to send the iraqi guys out first which is like a coin toss you know it's not necessarily always that way and so their first like four dudes went out the gate and someone like clacked off a big ied and just smoked like vaporized those guys and then our closest personnel to that um like out the gate got hit pretty hard so they were just like like holes smoking like coming out of them we from our perspective we saw this big mushroom cloud so everything that happened on target was just from talking to our homies um but yeah there was body parts kind of you know like not attached and everything got handled like no one our guys didn't die um in that capacity. But uh yeah, it was pretty big and shit started getting real uh <laughs> at that point. Um
1: what did that do to you mentally?
0: Um it just definitely is like all right, everything everyone's fucking dying who's a fucking enemy at this point. Like you're fucking like gloves off. You know what I mean? Literally. So um and we had like, we had like little drones. So we had ISR, we could see shit. We pulled out Gustavs and stuff and we were doing like time delays, sending Gustavs through walls. Cause we could see enemy movement. Like we weren't waiting anymore for people to move on us. Cause people we had been in firefights all day anyway. Um, but it just escalated. So we sent off all our Gustavs. We went dry on our AWS, you know, um, uh, you know, there was, uh, I mean, there were, we were out there for a handful of days. So um, then after this whole uh, ID event went down, like got our homies extracted, then we extracted off target shortly after. But that's, you know, we went dry on our AWs and our Gustavs and shot our way off target basically.
1: You know, when you get back and, and you start to recap all that stuff, um, how critical of were you of your performance or – you know, in general, you know, through that combat experience, are you how much evaluating did you do of of everything that you you had trained to do?
0: Um, oh, n- not as much because I don't. That's not necessarily the right way to frame it, but because I did, I put so much intention into it ahead of time, and right. in the moment, I didn't have like second guessing going down. Like every time I pulled the trigger, I pulled that trigger with intention. I knew exactly what the fuck I was doing. I knew why I was doing it. Um And that's something I, you know, um held myself to a very high standard on, like even again, like going back to the, ma- the machine gun with the butterfly trigger, I could have totally in that first deployment unloaded and been fine, but I didn't have, I had a question in my mind and there was nothing that warranted me to drop my thumb on that butterfly. Um, so I didn't do it. Right. Um, and some guys are like, man, you should have fucking dropped that dude. You should have fucking like unloaded. And I'm like, maybe, but probably maybe not. And like, this is the way it went down. Like everything justified, like the actions that I didn't do just as much as when, and when I did take actions, yeah. there was events that justified, justified that. So it was a lot of the the preparatory work, which I don't think that was just my own personal shit you know my own philosophical like way of existing oh, that i think is is somewhat missing from uh well, i think it's missing big time from the military like that the the spiritual weight of doing of of acting or not acting isn't really emphasized it's just like kind of like yo move on the board when we tell you to move and the bigger picture of the military. And if you make a mistake, by the way, then we're not going to back you up. And so that kind of shit.
1: Well, um, you know what,
0: what, I I felt very good as far as my actions, um, in our, our team's actions, I felt good with everything that went down. Um, and it's like you said earlier, like you can do everything right and still get hit. And that's pretty much what happened there. You know, um, they were doing everything fine. Right. And just,
1: well, again, what, what, what we always say on the show is that uh, the minute you pull that trigger, who you are officially dies, um, and you're different. Uh, and there is, and people will never understand this, for certain people there is, for certain people there's not. There's a certain humanity to, to combat that some of us try to hold to. Um, it's why we have, you know, the rules we have in the Geneva convention and everything else. And why a lot of soldiers have gotten in trouble because they haven't exercised restraint in certain spots. And some people will tell you it's warranted, you know I mean? If they get one of our guys next day, you want to go out and smoke every single one of those guys. And you won't have any regard for the law of proportionality at all. Yeah. Uh, which the Geneva convention believes is something, you know, you don't fire, a, a, an AT4 rocket at an anthill. Right, you just kick it over, and the anthill is, is done, and that that should be enough. But you know, so all that said, you know that that humanity that exists in combat is different for everybody, and what the line is is different for everybody, and that's why it's so hard to judge. When you are sitting in Washington, or you are a news person, or you are not there, your ability to judge that in the right context is flawed. It's very dangerous to do, and we have to constantly remind people of that and. To me, that's where, you know, again, uh, you talk about not being backed up. There is a certain amount of, you know, uh, it's almost like that jury should be of the people who were there, um, and hopefully you have people who, who don't just choose the wrong thing over the right thing, i.e., uh, let's just, I'll throw a name out there, Clint Lorance, that first lieutenant who was charged convicted and then ultimately pardoned by donald trump we've interviewed several members from his platoon uh on the show and they would all unequivocally say he did the wrong thing mm. you know that he absolutely did the wrong thing and yet you know uh he's now he's out and free and it's you know i don't want to get into all that i'm just giving it as an example but it's just you know the context of this thing mark obviously is, is difficult to to gauge but i i appreciate your morality i certainly appreciate your humanity towards the whole thing, because I was of the same ilk, you know? I remember the first time I had to pull the trigger, and, and and it messes with you, you know? Like, for me, at least, there was a split second of recognizing if I do this, things are different. You know, I'm now, for lack of a better term, burdened with the results of what has happened. Now, it's easy to sort of rationalize, right? Because it's them or me. It's them or my guys, and the choice is easy for me to make. But still, there's a certain amount of... Um, Like you said, you have to be okay with the decisions that you've made.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a responsibility with taking yes. a life. There's a spiritual 100%. consequence to it. And this is where like going back to like someone in DC or whatever, judging what's happened. But that mirror never gets turned around because the decisions they make and using us as the weapons to get their intention done. They never self reflect right it's and it, it, even as a society it's like oh well they they're always getting passes and all the drones and all this shit that's going down which is like at that point there's not even anyone really there in the moment pulling the trigger it's pushing buttons and it's getting more and more removed <laughs> yeah and and but at the same time like the let's say political class or whatever is maintaining this uh sense of superior superiority over what's going on and disconnection and they've never been in the shit so again it's it comes down to these <laughs> these moments where for me like a lot of the, a lot of that whole thing like i have no fucking respect for them because they're they're uh, directing a industrialized war machine which is composed and built upon motherfuckers who are actually in the shit day to day doing stuff sacrificing themselves Sacrificing their their friends, their relations, everything, and then to be judged by what I like to call limp wristed iron fists, right? It's like they're like we're gonna we're gonna go like right now, like we're gonna go and we're gonna win this war. It's like really, are you are you gonna go win the fucking war? Are you even gonna go fight, or are you just gonna sit back in your safe zone, your safe space, and guide like the fucking real fighters out to do shit, and then castrate them when they come back to society? Because now you think they're too dangerous. So that type of shit is, uh, yeah. I, I was very reflective the whole time. Like, I never, st- I never stopped. You know, even even in the shit, I was looking like, all right, here's what we're doing. Here's what the world is doing. Like, here's what's being said. Here's what's being done. And when shit isn't lining up repeatedly, that's when I decided to ultimately like cut the ties, which wasn't an easy decision for me to get out. Cause I had not planned on doing anything else other than retiring, like serving as long as I could in the military right. and just going through it. Um, but the, the, uh, the divide there between administrator and operator and, um, politician and warrior is just like, it was too, too big for me to, to, to continue putting my, effort on the line for other people who never would fucking do the same thing. And at the moment's notice, if they could stab you in the back for their own gain. So that shit really, yeah. Had an effect on, uh, on me.
1: Well, okay. Um, and we're, we're going to get there in a second. Um, you come home from that deployment. I assume everything within the team itself within the platoon itself is fine. Like you guys are happy and, and you know, nothing else derailed any of what you wanted to do
0: yeah yeah no, it was it was it was going uh very good we had a the other uh incident we had like i, I was already like out i was in Habania at this point like getting ready to come back moving uh some of our gear and stuff back and uh one of the guys like taking out a some trash like throwing some trash in the trash bin in the compound and a, a like a bullet came from the air and just like lodged in his back like, they didn't didn't kill him um but it did like get in there, and we heard that. Like, damn, homie got shot, like taking out the trash from a random, <laughs> like went through all that time. And then, right. And, and, and right.
1: He's, he's been kicking down doors and knocking, not bringing bad guys to justice, and taking out the yeah. trash is what took him out. I'm sure that, uh, might have been the bunt of a lot of jokes, uh, back in, in the, at the platoon house when it was all said and done, but glad he's okay. Um, so next, you get sent to be an instructor. This is something you wanted to do, or the Navy said this is what you're going to do.
0: Oh, uh, so what happened is I, I had, uh, never re-enlisted re- I did extensions and you could only extend for a year at a time and so like our the contract puts you at five years instead of four and so I had to extend um or re-enlist and so when it came like I was already thinking like do I want to stay here or not and I obviously didn't want to go back so I just did an extension um and then it came time like yo are you going to re-enlist if you re-enlist you can do another deployment if not like your your uh end of service date is like in deployment. So we can't like, we got to swap you out. So basically they gave me the option, you know, um, to go wherever I wanted as far as training goes. And I decided to go to, uh, assaults, which is, you know, or combat skills, which is, you know, uh, close quarters and urban warfare mount, which they now call South in our industry, which is one of those stupid, super silly administrative things. And I'm like, come on guys so what? military what? operations S- urban train, and they right. got this administrative check mark for a special operations urban combat to be like you know it's like spinal tap remember and they're like this one goes to 11 like why don't you just make 10 louder like no but this one goes to 11 so little silly things like that i still call it now I, even I, though, did,
1: I did not even know it changed i would still refer to it as yeah. now
0: yeah so and, and i was like you know uh, I forget if it trained when changed when I was in the still in or out or as I was walking out that I think I was as I was leaving getting ready to leave like hey we're gonna call the same shit we've been doing the whole time a little bit different and it's like okay why okay whatever um, but yeah I, I went to I went to uh, the trade training detachment and uh, combat skills and I had a I had a really good time there too because you're still training at the 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 tempo of right. the war that's going on and it's highly the most relevant block of training at the end of the day to, to the war that was going on.
1: You know, you, you you'd mentioned a couple of times, uh, you know, and it get, it's starting to come together now for me that you, you just extended, 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 never reenlisted. Um, is it fair to say that some of the quote stabbings in the back that you had seen and the administrative stuff that you had seen were the underlying reasons why you weren't all in to just extend and go again? I mean, cause it feels like it was building for you, either consciously or subconsciously under the surface, it was building that there were some dots that didn't connect the right way for you.
0: Oh yeah. It was very conscious. That's a hundred percent. It I was, uh, you know, cause there's like this, there's this, um, belief or whatever within the military, like up the ranking structure that you are a pawn in the fucking game. And it's like a half truth, like kind of like you did sign up to do that job. But at the same time, like I'm a fucking man dealing with other men like we're all mortals here um and at least this is how i look at it and when people start wielding this illusion of power and authority in a way that they think they're the king or whatever they think they're higher up the the food chain than you are i'm just like this is not how this goes guys so uh, so Like I can play the game to a degree as long as there's respect there, but when the respect was fucking obviously not there for not just not even necessarily directed at me. I'm seeing this shit happen to like our class of war fighters. And there was the the administrative contempt for what we are and our role, you know? Our role at the end of the day being the highest in the food chain. Like the warriors and the military are the highest fucking food chain. Not like we're not trying to get awards. I mean, awards mean fucking bullshit to me at the end of the day. Like, uh, we're there to do the job and we were doing it in a way that wasn't looked on favorably by the, uh, the quote leadership. Right. Um, so I start. I just started really looking at that shit critically, very consciously. And, uh, like, I don't, I don't, I don't judge without reason. I just, I, I let people show themselves to me. And once it's once it's clear of who they are and I it was clear to me who I was working for or who I had the potential to work for, because not everyone up the chain was a piece of shit. But there were for sure pieces of shit up the chain and there continues to be pieces of shit to this day.
1: What Was there one moment that. Started to, or was this just like, like a lot of little things that had happened along the way? Whether it's the TV incident with your with your buddy, or you know, which is a really small thing, or was there something major that, uh, that 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 I'm missing here?
0: No, there's a lot. There's a lot of little things and some major things, and the 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 biggest thing to me was the betrayal, like the betrayal that I witnessed of again so the, there was the one where the, the the guy got benched right there was another one on target where someone came months later and be like hey this guy like executed someone and then to see our head shed turn on that guy and be like dude you've been on target with these people like we've been working together right and so like when when it's just like instantly as soon as someone says a bad word and they they don't even have the back where it's not saying like hey you should you should investigate. I'm not saying don't look into something. You should have a conversation with the person as a, as a man, as a warrior to get to the, to get to the point. But when it's just like, Oh, you know what? Someone said a bad word about you. So now we're going to make sure we're totally polished and dusted off. So if anything bad happens, we did the administrative process, right. To basically ostracize you. Uh, so to see that as the initial response, same thing coming back, like guys in bar fights, uh, seal fucking operators who've been to war getting uh punished by by sweeping floors in this administrative capacity for the uh like the the uh the the warfare administrative place basically all the fucking suits who don't actually go into combat you know and i have no problem calling any of these motherfuckers out because it is it is um a righteous fury that I have for them because I look at that as the biggest form of cowardice that ever like the, my enemy is my enemy. Like I know what we're there to do, but when you're pretending to be a friend and you're stabbing people in their side and their back, like that shit's unforgivable, unforgivable. And, uh, I know exactly who I'm talking about, who I'm thinking of. I know the type of people when I meet them, you know, I, I, from their own energy. And, and I was just like totally fucking done with it at that point when I realized like there's a chance that I could be, um, administratively under their command. Right. And I'm like, never again will I fucking do that with any human being on this fucking earth.
1: Did anybody betray you? Were you stabbed in the back at any point?
0: No, but they betrayed my friends, and that's might as well be the same fucking thing. So to a degree, yes, but never directly right, okay. uh, me. But yeah, d- yeah. I don't so, even know how that would have went down because I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, hey, Mark, take this broom and go sweep. Uh, yeah, let's, let's not have that conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you end up getting out. You said the decision wasn't easy. What was what you were struggling with the most?
0: I mean, because there, there's, it is like the cut out the administrative bullshit the, the the dogs leading the lions you're still among lions like you're still the the class of men that you're around is the best of the best and will do anything for each other and that's why it also hurt so much to see them get stabbed in the back because it's like yo this this dude will give the shirt off his back fucking jump in front of a hail of bullets for for his homies and he's getting stabbed in the back by his own quote people um so that was that was hard because it's like, well, where am I gonna go in this society and find this to have place, that right? that level of camaraderie and and uh respect among people, so yeah, I was like, you know the the piece of combat like we talked about like that shit doesn't exist in the the outside world or having that level of intention and um trust with a crew. Like you get it. I mean, I've been in the the real world quote, which is the fake world, um, but I've been in it long enough. I was in it before the military and I see how people act and that level of trust is, doesn't exist. Like you're not going to walk into any corporate culture and find a bond beyond like the paycheck they're getting or the, the status that they're getting. When it comes down to like, is someone going to sacrifice themselves or put themselves in harm's way? Uh, whether that's physically emotionally mentally spiritually for someone to protect their their person to the left and the right their brother their sister their mom their dad their family like 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 family to protect people like that that didn't exist in many rooms. other places right right
1: um at the risk of making you angry uh, I'll ask a devil <laughs> devil's advocate question here yeah was were there any of your your teammates or anybody who said look Hey, Mark, I know you're pissed off about the admin stuff. I know you're pissed off about X incident and Y incident and everything else, but you leaving us is essentially the same stabbing in the back that they are, that that the admin guys are doing to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a a senior chief as I was going out who tried to pull that negotiation tactic is what I'll call it. And (laughs) like, yo man, you're really leaving us hanging. And, And it's like, no, I'm not, dude. I fulfilled my seven years. I did my. I I fulfilled my shit. I went to war. I did all. I did all the stuff that I was supposed to do, in exchange for the compensation that I received and shit, which is not that much. You know, we didn't do it for that, right? You know, but I, I fulfilled my part of the contract. The contract is fucking done now. I don't choose to participate to go into another contract because of X, Y, and Z. So I, they tried to yeah use the guilt t- the guilt. So not not a lot of people, but uh, there was one, maybe there's more, but well, really just one I mean, that I can think of that fairness,
1: tried. right? Like, you guys are such a tight-knit community, and there's so few of you. I mean, I feel like the guilt word is – it is guilt because nobody wants to leave anybody behind, right? Like, that's what, what you guys live on. I mean, I know we say it all the time in the military, but it's different in the teams. It's different in that community. It's different in special ops um, because of the nature of the work is so much more – routinely life or death than anything else and so i i i understand the deployment of that tactic and i also understand the guys who don't walk away for that reasoning um for i sure. respect the hell out of you for doing it i i i feel like if i was in your shoes and somebody would have hit me with that line i probably would have folded like a launcher and said i'm staying i i can't i can't leave the guys you know i'm just loyal yeah. like that like that's just me um and i give you a lot of credit for being able to have that mindset like i wish i had more of that strong-willed mindset in that scenario to go look i feel my commitment i'm i'm at peace with this and i'm ready to move on
0: oh yeah yeah my my will is fucking uh very strong and the other the other side of it is like i never stopped my um the 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 energy that called me to service in that capacity never left me right so but what i what it did is it shifted my mind cuz i started looking at like okay where is the biggest issue or threat or whatever right? to to society at large to like okay the reason the reason we're going to fucking war in the first place supposed to be is to defend our people and our lands our 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 families our women our children our our homies our brothers our mothers our fathers our grandfathers our grandparents like the, the to have the uh, a, a, a safe and thriving civilization community for kids who aren't even here to grow up into. And if that shit doesn't exist, then what the fuck's the point of all of it? And so that's when I started getting, I'm like, all right, I'm going to focus on service in another way. Like I'm not going to be able to, you know, do what I was very comfortable doing what I enjoyed because now and I didn't, I didn't exactly have my finger on it, you know, of like what I was specifically going to do. I could just feel just like I felt called into the teams. Like I felt called to walk away and to just figure shit out. And that, period of process that point in time like that transition phase wasn't an instant thing like it wasn't just like oh well now i know what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna start up you know this thing call it guardian grange like that took a long period of time to get to and it took a lot of struggling and suffering in different ways and part of it was like yo you're you're disconnected from the community that that you um earned your place in right and um yeah so of course like uh that's why I say it was the toughest decision because I wanted to be there. I wanted to stay there, but my sense of duty and obligation pointed me in a different direction. Like the trail that I saw, the path that I saw, the direction of, of, uh, the seasons, the changing of the seasons that I could feel instinctually. I knew that I had to go a different direction.
1: Did you know what you want to do
0: when I got out? Yeah fuck no. No, I didn't. I'm just like, well, I guess I'm going into society. So I got to make some money or something. So I started learning about, um, you know, money-making endeavors basically. So real estate, I started going like, where can I become the best of the best in this capacity? Um, so I started learning from like real estate investors, having conversations and that's where I got like a whole other dimension to what was going on where I started really learning about, um, economics you know and like why things move the way they move whether that's finances you know the currencies policy decisions all that stuff and it was like another depth another um, level to the betrayal is what I started to see and that's what really drove me to serve in the capacity that I'm doing right now and that I'm working to which is still at the end of the day it's like it's leading edge in the, in the respect, like not that many people are thinking about it Uh, more so are now that like the global food supply is uh, pressured, stressed to say the least. Um, And there's many reasons for it. Um, None of which are because we don't know how to do it. None of which are because we are incapable of doing things the right way. Um, It's another kind of stab in the back situation that, you know, quite honestly, like, for a long time, I couldn't even have a conversation with because people would be like, you're fucking out there, man. Like you're thinking like the my thought process, my the direction, the, the the threats that I was looking at were so far into the future that people just didn't even want... They had the luxury of not having to look at them. Kind of like if, if you're in combat and there's an enemy sniper and you're outside of their range, right? And you're like, yo... <laughs> you you have the eagle eye and you're like, all right, I see there's an enemy position up there. And like everyone else, like, I don't see it. I don't know what you're talking about. You're fucking whatever. Like we're going to just focus. And now those enemy positions are moving closer and setting you up for a bad situation. I'm the type of person who like gets to the fucking point immediately. And it's like, no, I'm going to move on that position right now. Like, so that's in an analogous way, what I've been doing. Um, and ironically, part of it is like, it's not ironic. I mean people are war- great warriors have written about this f- since the beginning of time, but it's like the whole warrior in the garden model, right? It's like uh, when you're in a a chaotic environment, whether that's war or something else, like your role as definitely like a, a man, right? Uh, as a competent man is to be the calm in the storm for your family, for your community, for uh the people around you. 'Cause if, if everyone's freaking out, like then it's it's over at that point. Um, someone has to be able to take the 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 pressure, the blunt and do what's do what's right even though it's not popular or even fucking pedestalized or whatever and just fucking grind through and do it and that goes back to like your average fucking your whatever your quote average man who's just doing a fucking good job as a dad or a person in in their community like those are the fucking heroes of our society and and the the women too who are playing their part right it's like there is a there's a sacred balance and there's a there's a there's a relationship between human beings that has to continue or the whole fucking thing falls apart right and so that's really where my focus is and and some of that shit's intellectual some of that shit's you know spiritual Spiritual. you know it's at the end of the day it's all spiritual because what the fuck are we doing here if if there's no if there's no higher purpose and i think um seeing that uh reality stripped away from our actions um it just really it drove me to where I am today, which is a good place. Mm-hmm. However, it was a hard road to to get there, you know, and, and it's, again, it's disappointing. Like I say it a lot of times, I'm like, man, I'm really disappointed in some people that I was rooting for, you know, it's like, I can't respect someone as a man if they don't respect themselves to that same degree. I can only go up to that mark. So there's been many relationships in my life where I just fucking backed off and bowed out of because I, the actions that have happened showed me who that person is and I'm only here to work with like people who are down to, to do real shit and shit for beyond ourselves. Like it's, it's about our, I mean, I got a six month old daughter right now, you know, it's, it's about them. It's about her children one day, her, like people who I don't even fucking know at this point, like we all existed by the, you know, virtues of our ancestors, right? Mm -hmm. They created the environment for us to be in. And, and there were some mistakes along the way. So it's not like anyone was ever perfect, but there is still a level of respect and hopes and dreams that they had for their kids. Like even the, the most, you know, troubled person with a good heart did shit for the right reasons. Even if they made those mistakes, it's like going back to that thing. Like you can make all the wrong decisions for, uh, you know, and and have good events and you can make all the right decisions and have bad events. Right. So, um, the decision matrix, it's something that, that I, I actually learned from the, the investing world, but yeah, I guess I'm kind of rambling here.
1: No, no. I mean, listen, uh, existential questions aside, um, you know, you go back and you get your degree. Um, and then, uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, it was a, a, a friend who was a veteran who you lost to suicide that led you to found guardian Grange. Correct. I mean, can you elaborate a little bit more on that individual and in that story?
0: yeah and it wasn't immediate but yeah that so my my bro rob guzzo he was in uh, ramadi with us um actually coming up here um the next few days is when there's a 10-year anniversary of uh when that happened and so wow we had um yeah we had linked up like after service you know he was one of the guys who got shit on a bit solid dude you know a jokester like he'd like to clown around goof off but he was a solid performer and Uh, some of that stuff got misread by certain people and he you know he is one of the one of the ones who felt the a lot of the brunt of betrayals in so many ways or you know not not just that other things weighed heavily upon him um but uh yeah we had linked up we had we were both going to san diego state university you know he was working on his master's in kinesiology i was doing my my, my bachelor's in communications. Um, and we're just living a, you know, post-military team guy life, like hanging out, you know, going, having fun. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, some of that fun entailed a lot of drinking and stuff. Um, and anyway, like (laughs) there was a caustic cocktail that, that went down, which was some of these solutions that, Quote, quote solutions that come out of the VA is uh give people pharmaceutical pills for their emotional mental spiritual symptoms that are erupting right and they're not good they're not good like they they numb people out they they create all these different interactions so you compound that with alcohol and there's one day like he was out with a bunch of friends i was down in actually mexico on a date um and so I wasn't, I wasn't out with them that night and I came back and it was later in the evening, you know, like pretty much they came back at the end, like bars are closing and all that stuff. And they were very obviously shit faced, you know, mm-hmm. which is fine. We've done it a million times before. Um, So I was like, not on the same frequency. So I'm like, yo, man, I'm just going to go to bed. They're all still hanging out and everything. um, And everyone that was there eventually like fell asleep and he was up just like ruminating, just like looking through old photographs, you know, other guys who had been killed. I know Mark, Mark Lee's photo was, his plaque that he had on the wall was there. sitting on the desk and at some point, you know, going through those pictures and in that state, like he decided to take his pistol and chamber around and put it in his mouth and, pull the trigger so i woke up from one of the guys coming into the coming into the room being like yo mark mark get up get up right now like free like told his energy was like i could tell as i woke up like you know it it gets right into your heart like there's something fucked up and so when i went out he's like it's rob you got like we need help help and so i went out and i saw him laying on the floor and my first thought is like okay, this is a fucking practical joke that I'm in right now. There's no, there's no way that, um, you know, this is, this is like he would pull jokes, you know, not like he'd ever done something like this, but he was a jokester. So that was like my initial, um, thought process. And then, you know, I go, I'm like, yo, get up, man, get up. And, uh, he didn't. And then I saw like the blood and all the stuff and I'm my like, art, right, this shit's fucking real. So I immediately like, you know, get on the, get on the horn. And I called, ended up calling his dad who fortunately I had met prior to the phone call. You know, we had a, a, a brief hangout time together. Um, and I had to call him and that was like the hardest phone call of my life for sure. To, to, to call up and be like, Hey, you know, it's like four or five, whatever in the morning, uh, our time. So he, uh, he, he could sense that there was something up too, you know, just from the, the call. And I'm like, Hey man, um, I just got to call you. It's about Rob, you know, He's like, he's a, like, what's up. And I'm like, I don't remember exactly what I said. Cause you're in the, in the, yeah. the energy of it. Sure, but I'm yeah. like, yo, man, it was very simple to the point. I'm like, he shot himself in the head and he's dead, you know? And he's like, is this, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, thank you. I get it. I got to start making some phone calls. So that was, you know, that was the the beginning and I kept my composure like all the way through to get this shit done. But then it's like, you just start fucking breaking down for sure for a while. And from that moment on, like I never went back to that apartment. I, uh, you know, I didn't even continue on with school. I just told my, my, my professors on my like, yo, I'm fucking not happening. I had started a business, which was, you know, taken off with a partner. And I like stopped communicating with him. He came and like, Knocked on the door one time and I was like, yo man, what's what's going on? I'm just like, I'm fucking like, just take everything. I don't care. You know, I'm like, just go. He's like, nah, man, I'm not gonna do that. He's like, you helped build this thing. So he's a stand-up guy. But yeah, I was just checking out from everything. Um, and that's I guess you could say the one of the valleys that humans can go through, right? It's like the dark night of the soul type thing. Like mm-hmm. you're definitely down in a very low level of existence of, or of, uh, of, uh, emotional weight. Um, and so again, like going back to like setting these bars high and low, like my fucking low bar now is like pretty fucking low, you know, and climbing out of that, um, is what just kind of led me to where I am. Like having that point of perspective, like I don't want I'm going to do everything I can to ensure that that doesn't continue happening to good people. Right. Um, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know? So how
1: does Guardian Grange, you know, how does it all, I mean, what, what what led you from that tragic moment to, you know, the birth of this idea?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that that was like eight years after that. And that was one of the major catalyzing events. Cause it just set me, it just set me deeper, um on the path that I had been wandering towards, right? Which I didn't even really understand until I arrived at it. Um and one of the things is I had an experience with mushrooms that cut that allowed me to drop back into a deep reflective state, right? And also like a childlike sense of wonder and enjoyment with the world, where I'm like, yo, this life is fucking awesome. Like, this is badass to be here. Like it's just great. And so that experience has caused me to start really you know i used like remember like when i used to climb trees as a kid and just hang out and look at fucking birds and animals and like how tapped in you are when you go hunting or something like you're just in the the natural environment so when i i started reflecting on like there's some real um healing and therapeutic benefits beyond even what those words are right because everything in western civilization tries to reduce things down to like their component where they can put it in an academic paper or a research instead of being like yo go into the fucking mountain hike up the trail go swim in the lake hang out with some friends around the campfire and understand how fucking awesome life is as opposed to like the this theoretical model of like um you know, again, you go to the VA, it's pills, it's therapies, it's different things that may or may not have benefit. Um, I think a lot of them in the fall short and some of them are damaging, especially the pharmaceuticals. Um, and the other thing I, I recognize as like being part of like a warrior culture, like Anyone that doesn't have that same peer level of experience can't now come at you and solve all your problems from the outside be like, Hey, you need to change your thoughts here and there. It has to be an experience based thing. And regardless if anyone gets into um, like any of the earth based sacraments or nature based medicines, it's the, I recognize that the community is the medicine itself. Like having a group of people having who have your back and are there to support you and you're there to support them is a uh, healing medicine and having access to food you know clean food water um is another component of it and being involved in the process of creating that or or helping out your environment keeping it you know, cleaner and um a, a nice place to exist is a, a level of service that um can be translated from military, right? It's like, we went to war, we did all this shit. There's no reason why we can't also go repair a fucking erosion point in a watershed or something. Like it's very similar to surveillance and reconnaissance, right? We're good at camping, going to these areas. So I just really started reflecting like, wow, we have like the military group of people, especially combat operations. Like we have these skills that when we get thrown back into society, like they don't directly translate unless you go back and do contracting or get in a training pipeline or something. However, they do translate into a completely new. Um, it's not. Com- it's a completely new way of life from the perspective of how things are right now. But it's an old way of life based on the history of humanity. Like we've right. always mm-hmm. been stewards of our environment as human beings. Like as in if we weren't, we didn't live, like we didn't have our food. We didn't have our deer populations. If you weren't managing them properly, if you weren't gathering and growing and cultivating life, then you didn't have food, you know? So just getting back to that, like raw level of existence, um, and valuing family, community, nature, God and, you know, higher power, however, someone wants to look at that, you know, something beyond yourself, beyond the system, beyond the corporate, uh, fictions that exist. Like there's a, there's a higher spiritual state of existence and something that is greater than yourself that no human being on this earth can claim to have authority over. So that, that realization is what I'm helping people, uh, arrive at. through this, through this creation of this community. So, and I, and I think that I know that that veterans are the backbone of this thing because we have the capacity to work together without, you know, like fucking with each other. Like we're there to help the homie to the left and the right, just like hunting. Like if, if we go out and hunt, there's five of us, one of us bags a deer, we're all eating. Right. It's not like, oh, I got the deer, so I'm going to take this and now I need you to do X, Y, and Z for me. It's like, no, we came at this thing as a team and we're going to finish it as a team and we're going to keep it going. And we're going to pass that on to our kids. We're going to pass those traditions on. So that's really what it's all about. You know, and I say like Guardian Grange is a veteran powered regeneration network. Regeneration obviously applies to, you know, how you can cultivate plants, how you can graze animals. Like there was a um a guy from White Oak. Pastures on joe rogan who talks about the industrialized farming to regenerative farming which is really good but there's also the regeneration of like who you are as a being right he said like when you pull the trigger it changes who you are um that is true and it's also true in the way when you start showing up to life in a method of service that has intention of like being positive for your even if you don't have a, a, a quote family like for the people who are around you for when a little kid sees you as a man walking through society like wow that guy's really like i want to be like that guy one day he's really cool you know in a positive way as opposed to like how society has like trained people to be uh you know pursue materialist desires and, right. and all these things right it's like that that's what this shit is about really um and veterans are essential for that um because society has a lot to learn from just that method of being like, it doesn't exist in college. It doesn't exist in the corporate environment. That's why all these uh, events happen and people are going to try to learn, you know, qualities from us at, at, at whatever they go to, like, you know, the events that I'm talking about, which some are good and some are a bit silly in my opinion, but um, everyone's seeking and yearning to get back to reality is the best way I could call it. So sure. that's what I'm, that's what I'm here to do. You know, it's all, I'm, it's my whole life mission. I'm going to do it till the day that I die.
1: Right, you guys can go to guardiangrange.org, uh, and check out everything that they have to offer. Uh, just say like, try to spitball this answer. What do you think some of your fellow team guys and platoon mates would say about this organization that you're doing right now? Would they find yeah, it the- useful or would they, would they think it's a little hokey or what?
0: No, the the feedback's been positive, but it's also an immersive thing, right? So when we've had a couple uh, events down in San Diego, where it's just getting, it's like planting seeds, right? So I don't necessarily come out with like the full game plan out the gate because it's like number one, it's a lot of work. Um, it's not going to necessarily resonate, but what does right. resonate is getting people together to hang out, have good times, good conversations have some like natural healing through nature so like the last event we did we had like you know yoga massage hiking ice baths you know just ha- nothing was required but everyone could show up and these things were available and then when i started talking about like the bigger picture and the food supply and and us coming together as a as a force of good service right to whether it's like yo oh, there's some 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 major problems in the farming world. There's some major infrastructure issues. Do we have the capacity to solve some of that shit? Yeah, even without the experience, just like I wasn't always a sniper, but I went through the school and learned how to perform those duties. So if you're not a cattle rancher, that's fine. We can go like, yo, you could you use any help on your cattle ranching operations with like, we just set up a program and run out there or the same thing with permaculture design and all these things. So it's really mirroring what, uh, my experience was in the SEAL teams, you know, where it's like, Hey, if I want to learn to be a good pistol shooter, we're going to go to the best pistol shooters and learn from them wherever they're at, you know? So we ended up going to, uh, uh, um, Shaw's and stuff out in, uh, Mississippi and learning from people who just spent all their time shooting. So, uh, and then we pull those components in and architect that into the mission that we're moving with. So, once people once people feel it, then it starts clicking. But it's not necessarily immediate because it is a. It's not what we were trained to do. It's not what we necessarily saw ourselves doing. So it is a. There is a. A, a point of. I don't want to say learning, but there's a point of like awareness of like, oh, this—that's what this is about. That's what this is. Now I kind of get it, and you don't really get it until you're hanging out and you're back in. The company of good guys and it's not a fucking funeral you know because we always used to joke and be like oh every time we're at a funeral like man we should hang out when it's not a funeral you know and so that's part of it too is like reconnecting the cult the warrior class cultures and planting us in the the uh the quote the garden right or the food forest like putting warriors in food forest and allowing us to move through society in a positive manner so when we're interacted with when people interact with us it's no longer like oh yeah those veterans they have all these issues and pts and x y and z it's like no man human beings have struggles in general and when you interact with us as veterans who are doing positive it's like damn these people come into town and they're doing some good work like that's really cool that's respectable and again like the the little kids can see that and be like wow that's, you know, maybe I should carry myself with some integrity and honor and, uh, humility through society. And it's not all about fucking the title or waving money around or flashing bullshit to society. It's like just being the the content of your character, being a good human being is the, uh, the highest state of existence, stewarding your land, making sure that shit isn't falling apart around you. And that if it is, then we handle it. You know, if you're, if your population of like, I just, someone sent me a thing the other day about, they're going to cull a bunch of elk in Colorado and that shit pisses me the fuck off because it's like, if the, if the elk were being hunted properly and not gate kept by these licensing things and like made this whole deal, then you wouldn't have to go murder the fucking elk to begin with. And that meat would be used as food. And that's the, like when, when humans are detached from natural cycles, that kind of shit happens. Cause you know, there's a lot of the animal rights. People are like, we need to end hunting or we need to end this. It's like, well, you know what happens when populations get, get too big, like disease, starvation, or the government just comes in and murders them all and doesn't tell you about it. And so while they're talking shit about hunting or ranching or something, it's like the disconnect in the full cycle of life is it creates this this insanity in society—that's the only way I can describe it. Whereas, like human beings of of the modern time, tend to see ourselves as separate from nature. It's like nature's over there; we're in our little houses with our four walls, and we have our our, our uh, artificial reality that we're doing. And we need to just pull people out of the environment, which is incorrect because when you look at some of the best monuments on this fucking earth, which the redwood forest being one, those trees only exist in that monumental capacity because the human beings who have been here for tens of thousands and longer years were properly managing those lands they were doing controlled burns so you didn't have these massive firefighters they were hunting they were keeping everything in balance and that is one of the things that i try to put out is like one of the highest role in my opinion of a human being is being a good steward of our environment that's the nature that's around us that's our personal bodies that's our families like making sure that we are holding ourselves accountable and um you know doing what we need to do showing up in life so I guess that's that's all I get to say about that
1: no listen I mean this is perfectly said I don't uh you know uh I, I think you are on a on a path that makes a lot of sense uh and for somebody who doesn't always look for those existential questions or answers for that matter, and somebody has problems living in the moment. You know, like I think that you have really found a way to bring that back. And believe it or not, I've written some notes. Uh, I put some. St- I always keep a sticky note when I do these interviews. And if any any of my guests ever say anything that jars, you know, some thoughts, I just kind of grab them real quick and leave the sticky notes out and use them as reminders. Um, and so I've got a, a bunch of them from from listening to you. Um, and one of them we talked about, I just wrote down if there's peace in combat, if, if there is peace in combat, there can be peace anywhere, right? Like, yeah. it's just, yeah. you know, it's a simple lesson that, that I just listen to you talk. I took from, you know, you can pull all the good parts out of combat out and leave the bad parts where they were, you know, take a breath, say a prayer, you know, things like that, that just, you know, uh, from talking to you and just listening to you talk, I think that I get that, you know, some of that stuff that i I've, uh, been longing for and looking for, for quite some time. So I certainly appreciate the conversation again, guardiangrange.org is where to go. Granges D R A N G E. Um, and, uh, listen, I mean, I'm with you. I'm vibing. Like I feel it. And and I love your passion for it. And I certainly appreciate, you know, um, the courage that not only you had in combat, but the courage to do this, something like this after combat, you know, it's not, um, it, it, people are so into themselves these days. It's hard to get them to think outside their sphere of influence. You know, how can how can I tilling some soil really affect the earth? Well, that's not really the the answer to the question you're looking for. You know, you do it because it is it has an effect, not because the measured effect has an X number of quantity. Right. And that's, you know, I think along the lines of what you're saying.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. It's 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 living with purpose, living with intention and uh, living again for i'm careful with the words that i say because so much shit is hijacked but living so i'm not going to say ever greater good right but living with um a higher purpose beyond yourself it's selfless and that doesn't mean like you're you're just deteriorating away it means that you're living in peace amidst the chaos and you're in in a state of abundance spiritually that you're giving outward and you're not even seeking anything in return right and that has um i I know that's a foreign concept people fucking are always looking for the angle that someone's coming with i've encountered it even multiple times with guardian grange where i show up i'm like hey how can we help you how can we help you on this property that you're on like here's this land that you have you have these issues we're down to help fix them how can we help you and like many times like the the relationship progresses in a good way and then it comes to a point like well it really just feels like you know the man's coming in here it's like well i don't know what the how the fuck to help you then because i'm literally not even asking anything of you we're just coming to help and if there's that much damage in society which there is like there's a lot of work to be done you know and again i don't i don't uh i don't hold it against people i just realize. That I'm dealing with a level of trauma that is very deep and yep. all I can keep doing is showing up as a real human being and the right ones you know real recognize is real the real people recognize it and the more we start doing good things building that momentum then the impossible um, reality that people the, the reality that people think is impossible starts becoming real to them again they can just be like oh well it goes beyond theory. It's like one of my, one of my philo- philosophies is like, I'm not here to debate theore- theories. Like that's been done for too long. I'm here to just show and tell we're going to do shit. We're going to show it and you can either look at it or not. No big deal. And we're going to keep doing it. And the, the real ones are going to show up. So Beautiful. that's the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come.
1: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, on that yeah. note, uh perfect ending uh, to, uh, to our episode today. Again, wish you nothing but the best of luck, man, continued success, brother. And, uh, you know, and, and not only, uh, you know, finding that, that, that inner peace that everybody's looking for, but, you know, being a leader in that space, um, because it's not easy, you know, um, and, and I certainly appreciate the work that you're doing. So I thank you for spending some time with me and, and sharing, you know, all your honesty again, guardiangrange.org one more time, but I certainly appreciate talking to you and it's been great to get to know you, man. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thanks, Mark. Likewise, thanks for the conversation. It was a good one. Mark, I'm going to get the
1: last name right here. Ready? Mark Matzel Delafour. Darn it, I missed it again.
0: No, it was good. Yeah, perfect. Matzel
1: Delafour. Thanks for being part of the Hazard Ground.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to the Hazard Ground podcast, hosted by Mark Zeno. If you have an interesting story to tell and you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at producer at hazardground.com. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.